0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Dave Carl, and I oversee the children and family ministries. And um, I am here to introduce our speaker this morning, John Calom. And I have known John. I attended Chuck's church back in California before he came to Texas. Um, all my adult, early adult years were there. And 30 years ago, I was in John's orbit, and so we've been. Our, my family has benefited from him. Um, In his ministry there, but I have to read the official bio so that you can be duly impressed. John is a wonderful, wonderful man. Thank you.
1: you. It's embarrassing uh, when you have to write your own... uh, it's good to be with you, and uh, some old friends, well, no, some friends from the past. <laughs> Jimmy and Taylor, uh, who we fellowshiped back in Fullerton together, Tim and Kelly, Moore and Norma, uh, Mom, who were part of our ministry there. I just saw Karen Kruskas, and, um, and then uh, Kathy and Dave. So it's kind of kind of weird seeing these people in this place and it's probably weird for you to see me in this place because I'm not normally invited to nice places like this. (laughs) A couple of things. Uh, I asked Gene Hendricks to be a part of this with me because and we did the first hour with uh, two different classes, uh, one older and one younger. We have younger and older in here. Um, What's... Do we have anyone in their 40s? Anyone in their 30s? (laughs) 30s. Okay, great. Anyone in their 80s? (laughs) Jean, how old are you?
0: You really want to know? I do. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: I'm going on 91.
1: 91. 91. And... what we' we want to do today is learn together. the first thing I need to ask, Rex, is Taylor, what time do you do the people start walking out? <laughs> twelve o'clock okay, so that that helps. In the other classes, we had fifteen extra minutes, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll finish this at twelve and i want to I want to give a, a couple of uh, announcements. One, uh, I've just come from doing the uh, grandparenting summit at, that we did here last year. Actually, I didn't get here because my wife fell, and we ended up in a hospital in Fort Worth for seven days. I came here on a Wednesday night because we had about 80 of our folks from Fullerton, and, and uh, Cynthia and Chuck had put on a little barbecue for those old friends. And I came for that night and then uh, went back to the hospital where... Jimmy and Taylor spent a lot of time with us, and uh, we're in a new normal. She broke her shoulder, had a brain bleed. I thought I had lost her. Um, changes your life. You've been there, and um, it really re-energizes you to live every day as though it were the last. You never know. But um, how this? Uh, oh, I know. And I'm, I'm I'm really tired. So if I fall asleep, Jean's up here to. Kind of uh, pushed me. Uh, we we had a heavy. We came in last Monday. The, the conference went Thursday through uh, yesterday. I think I taught about five different times in various situations. And did a donor banquet, um, and that's where I met Christine Clark, who's on staff with David, and um, she just asked me, oh. Squirrel. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen Up, you won't understand that. That's, and that's a great intergenerational movie, Up. But you have your hanky out. You're going to cry with an animated movie, because it's really doing. It really depicts what we're going to talk about today: the young and the old being together, learning from each other, learning to care for each other. But I. As I was leaving yesterday, we were packing our whole thing up over at Rockwell, at Lake Point. Um, Larry Fowler, our founder, said, "Just throw all those forms away." And I said, "I can't do that. Um, This is our whole. If you want audio, MP3, or if you know what that means, or a CD, we don't have cassettes or eight track." And then video of the general sessions. I just thought I'll let you take a look. There's three different forms back there, pre-order forms you could just call or email, um, Legacy Coalition, probably I think, and order these. We had Tony Evans with us, uh, John Trent, Tim and Darcy Kimmel had a great lineup of, of speakers communicating to us, uh, 40 of them. And then six plenary sessions, five plenary sessions. And then we had the Gettys, uh, Kristen and Keith. We had uh, Steve Green come. I know many of you know Steve. And, um, and then we had Scott Wesley Brown uh, as well. And so I'm, I'm kind of numb. I said to Jackie this morning, it's Sunday, and Monday's coming. We get to go home tonight. And, uh, and I sent the outline to Gene at about 2 this morning. We've been talking all week um, about this and, you know, where are we going on this? Where are we going on this? And even after it was printed and off the press, we've changed everything because of time. I figure you can read outlines. I have scripture there for you. But we need to talk. And so we're going to spend a good portion of this talking. Give us questions. We'll, we'll, We'll learn from each other and... We're not experts here. Uh, we maybe have done this a bit. A little background: uh, lived, in, grew up in Oregon. I went to Judson Baptist College in Portland, no longer there. <laughs> uh, all the places I go fold. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then went went down to Biola. Uh, Jackie and I got married. We had met in Pendleton, Oregon, in sixth grade. I was the upperclassman. She was fifth. But we became boyfriend and girlfriend. Our junior year, my junior year of high school, and what that meant is we ate together at the church potlucks and sat in church together. (laughs) And um, got married while we were still at Biola. Went to Talbot Seminary, Um, had a ministry in Long Beach doing youth ministry for uh, five years. Then up to Santa Barbara, where we were for seventeen years. Worked with Howie Stevenson, and um, I was youth pastor there for ten. Years and then switched over at that church, same church. I just said I want to work with moms and dads, because working with youth, we're losing a lot of the fruit. It's falling on the ground. I want to go to the root of the problem, help mom and dad in their marriage, and then in their families, and maybe we can do a better job at this youth ministry thing. We needed to work together. And I said, if I do this, and they didn't, they said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. The only other person I knew doing what I was doing was Paul Selhammer, and Chuck had brought him to the church in Fullerton, where I've been for the last 30 years. And um, so I was in Santa Barbara and said, Paul, what are you you doing? What's your plan? And we kind of put our heads together, and there were a few of us back, in. that was in 19. We went to the church in 71. That was 88 that we started. uh, No, that was 81. I'm terrible at math and started doing family ministry, bringing the family together. Then uh, we went to Fullerton in in 88 as senior adult minister. Three years ago, we had a pastor come who's now gone, and one of his uh, core values was intergenerational ministry. And I said, I went into Mike and I said, Mike, I want a new title, I want a new direction. He said, what? I want to be the intergen pastor. He said, what does that mean? Well, I said, what it means is I'll keep doing what I do with our older adults, but I want to start working with our younger adults. I want to work with our youth pastors, our children's workers, and I want to bring the generations together, which would mean, in a nutshell, not planning more programs. But if the children or the youth are doing this and the middle Agers and the older agers are doing that. Could we maybe do some of those things together? And our mantra was better together than alone. And uh, so the first thing we did was bring all the youth staff over to the building where I was. Because it starts with face-to-face relationships and heart-to-heart relationships. Getting to know them. They were on a whole other campus, our north campus. So we moved them in. And I started meeting with them every Thursday morning for breakfast, 7 to 8.30. Cost me $100 a week to feed these 10 boys. (laughs) And, uh, in fact, uh, about a month ago, a man came up to me and said, I've got some money for you. I'll give you $5,000 this year for your breakfast for the boys. And I thanked him. And, uh, and then we go back to the church, and we have prayer meeting with all of the staff every Thursday morning for a half hour. And it's amazing what happens when you start praying together with people of different ages and stages. God gives you a vision for them and their ministries, and they get a vision of you and your ministry. And it really begins in relationship of trust and openness, honesty. So we've been at this and trying to figure it out. Two years ago when uh, Larry Fowler, our founder, came to Jackie and me and said, I've got a dream. Uh, it was our dream too, to impact grandparents. And so we started the Legacy Coalition, and we were, you wonderfully hosted us here last year. Um, and then we went to Rockwall this past week at Lake Point Church. And I'm, just a little word on that. We're, we're actually, we're very overwhelmed uh, within a two-hour period on Friday, four churches came up to us and said, We want this conference at our church. Uh, Second Baptist Houston, a uh, Southeast Christian in Kentucky, Willow Creek, and uh, Andy Stanley's church down in Atlanta. And we realize we're on the verge of a new movement of mobilizing grandparents for ministry. Back to their children and their children's children to not just live out their retirement years in comfort but to put themselves back in discomfort, pain hurt, brokenness, and to begin to pray psalm uh, seventy eight teach these things to your children and your children's children, and that and we we we've done all these. These studies, but we forgot the importance of the word "and" in God's word, and your children's children, and the children yet to be born. We're supposed to influence two generations. We're supposed to think about the two that we may never see, but our prayers will go into their lives and touch them. I think prayers have a great shelf life, even after we're gone. And uh, so that's kind of what we're working on, um, wrestling the troops. So we were doing a donor banquet. Uh, We did one Wednesday night trying to raise money for this organization. And I need to tell you, the the conference we did here last year, just between us girls, cost $185,000. And we made $300 on it. And that's pretty good for a first-time ministry. But we realized if God is blessing us and showing us favor, we need to take steps of faith. So we... Put on this donor dinner and Christine Clark from uh, children's ministry here, who had helped us with ground stuff last year, volunteered to help us with ground stuff this year. And so we went over to the castle at Rockwall, which is literally a castle, great place to talk about vision and dreams. And, and Christine did all the legwork on that decorating. You ever de- decorated your castle? And well, we started talking after our our first trip out here to find this location. And Christine says, what do you do? This is a long story roundabout, but uh, what do you do? I said, well, I'm the intergen pastor at Fullerton. And she said, what do you mean? And we started talking. And she said, would you come and stay over maybe and talk to our folks? That's why I'm here. And I was delighted to do it. I said, but not without Jean. (laughs) Howie and Jean, uh, Hendricks impacted Jackie and me. Jackie's in service. She said, I've heard you before, but I want to go hear <laughs> Chuck. Uh, Howie and Jean have been a part of our lives for 40 years, um, mentoring us through uh, crucibles, through ministries. Um, and then we worked on some projects together together. Uh, Remember the night that I opened the window and the alarm went off in your house, and I broke your printer, and have you forgiven me? I came to breakfast that morning saying, don't see me, but, uh, and they've been in our house, and, uh, just, and they've been in our hearts, and I just thought, I want Jean to help us talk together about these things. Um, let me show you a couple of things to get us in. And by the way, if you're looking at the at the clock and you're looking at the outline, forget it. We'll be done at noon. I'm not going to spend much time on the outline. We're going to spend time just introducing some stuff and then opening it up and talking and seeing if we can come up with some answers. So here we go. Introductory thoughts. And this tells you that uh, I got this cartoon uh, a century ago. <laughs> Daddy, tell us what the 20th century was like. Remember that? There's a great big beautiful tomorrow at Disneyland and Tomorrowland. If you go back to Tomorrowland, back to those times now, you'd say, oh, tinker toys. You know, uh, times have changed. People have changed. Cultures have changed. The church has changed. JJ, it's RH, I think I left my PDA on the VCR in your SUV. Another outdated cartoon. How many of you have a PDA now? Really, no one? Okay. Um, That was a personal little computer before the iPhone came out and changed all of our lives. Made it so much complicated. Um, How many of you still have your VCR? I know you do. I have mine because that's... How else do you play those old relic... uh, And some of you still are working on cassette tapes. And more power to you. And then, uh, but words have changed. Sorry, Dad. Mom just went online and now she's downloading. I mean, talk about cultures coming together in, in a strange, strange way. But what it says is that we have a lot in common. I'm too young to do most everything, and you're too old to do most everything. And maybe that's why we have such an affinity for our grandkids. We do have more in common with them sometimes than our kids. And I'll just say for you we have two sons and daughters in love and eight grandkids. Um, we have learned to text. If you want to talk to your children or your grandchildren, text. I just understand that they made a law, was it in Hawaii, that it's against the law now to walk with your iPhone, reading it. (laughs) Because people were walking out into traffic because this was more important than their life. And if you want to ruin someone's life, take away their phone or shut them down or make them lose it. Um, Our world, it's a strange, strange world we live in. With FaceTime, Instagram, Twitter, where we get to project what we want people to think we are. And if you want to ruin a person's life, just unfriend them, even though they never knew you, that you'll ruin their day. <laughs> and the other sad part of it, it is our teenagers don't know how to relate. Our children don't know how to relate. That's why when you go to the counter and they say, "Yeah, what do you want? I have the hamburger? All right. Um, and I don't want to rag on the cultures. I don't want to do that because we all have our own idiosyncrasies. And I don't want to categorize us as millennials or boomers or builders or busters or Xers or wires. We're people who are raised in certain environments and certain cultures and it changes our life. And the thing we want to talk about is how do we come together on these things? But your grandchildren, the suicide rate is up among youth. And I think part of it is because we do not have face-to-face, heart-to-heart, shoulder-to-shoulder, eye-to-eye relationships. And we know those relationships on that computer are phony. And just what I projected, or what I wanted you to know. So we want to talk about crossing over and building relationships between the generations. And we really do need each other. I'll help you with a computer if you help me with history. I know that when I get into trouble, I call my grandchildren. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget my first sermon at Fullerton Evangelical Free. When Chuck would go away, he'd let the staff, he'd make the staff preach, which meant the congregation had to endure it too. And I had just learned how to do computer. And I, it was Saturday night, <laughs> not late 7:30 and I was going to go down to the church and print it and I lost it and I called Timmy Howell who's now a medical doctor Tim was in uh, I think 6th grade one of our pastors I was called I called all over for administrative assistance and no everyone was out on a saturday night doing stuff and Glenda said Timmy's here I said don't let him leave I'll go get him and I went over picked Timmy brought him within Twenty thirty seconds, he had me up and running. And that next morning as I was preaching, I said, it's really good to be here today. Last night at 7.30, I thought, I do not want to come. And I bragged on Timmy's computer skills and, um, and paid him an ice cream later. But um, yeah, we need each other. And it's hard to talk about some of these things. Have you seen the cat? And I know some of you were really... Deeply offended right now uh, this is uh, you 're going to call the hotline for abusing little feline critters, but we don 't want to talk about this subject you know uh, let 's just let it be let sleeping dogs let, <laughs> let sleeping cats lie and, uh, and but I want to bring it out I want to bring it off the hammock today. I want us to talk about some of these things, and let 's start with this mark twain said the only person who likes change is a wet baby (laughs) we want change and we resist change even our kids even our grandkids it's part of life yeah and we pray lord change me and the whole idea about walking with the lord being jesus followers is he wants to change us. He wants to you know create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Holy Spirit, do your work. And we sing, I surrender all or some. And we sing just as I am, we come just as we, we we come just as we are, we sing just as I am, we leave just as we were. We want it, but we need a little nudge. Sometimes we need a big nudge. And get ready. Here's blended worship. To keep everybody happy, the first verse will be sung traditional, the second reggae, the third rap, and fourth verse will be sung with a rocking country western beat. (laughs) Or in Dallas. You know, how do we satisfy everyone's needs and preferences? Well, often change only comes with adversity, said Leith Anderson. Adversity is often the window of opportunity for change. He goes on, for few people want, or organizations want to change when there's prosperity and peace. Major changes are often precipitated by necessity. And one more thought here from Dr. Baron Wolf, Institute of Psychiatry in in, uh, London. Not a Christian, but he has some insights for us. If we live only for ourselves... We're always in the immediate danger of being bored to death with a repetition of our own views and interest. It matters little whether your interest is in making your town cleaner or whether you go in for boys' clubs or choose a movement that presents a distinctive trend toward greater human happiness. Let's just say for greater glory to our Lord and great joy for the people involved. And align yourself with it. No one has learned the meaning of living until he has surrendered his ego to the service of his fellow men. Powerful statement for we believers and followers and those who claim ourselves as Christians and little Christ. Preferences. And it seems like whenever preferences are named, and by the way, no one put me up to this, but I work with older adults. It seems like the weight of preference and change comes upon the parents or the grandparents. I mean, you took care of a baby that was very dependent. And now you're taking, some of you, care of grandkids and sacrificing time, money, energy, giving up your rights because you love these little ones. And I need to let you know that your little ones and even your bigger little ones, the teenagers are leaving the church in droves. The statistics are overwhelming. This was from Christianity Today. I long for, uh, He says, I long for a church where teenagers don't leave as soon as they turn 18. According to George Barna, there are 8 million teens active in student ministries now who will no longer attend church when they're 30. A 58% drop in church attendance during the 20-something years. And he goes on, that should not be. And it's happening with their parents. As parents have begun to retire, they realize they can do church online. They can have their coffee and their little pastry and watch the sermon, watch the sermon. And I, I really believe, unless you're in a nursing home or a hospital room, Uh, your your attention is divided squirrel and we're not paying attention to the holy spirit as he speaks to us trying to change us into his image i love that uh, we can have the media available to us to take to homebound folks and for our missionaries to be able to attend and they listen with a different intensity than we who have access to so much But the kids are not coming and their parents are, their retiring parents are dropping out. This is the church for so many of us back home. And we have adult fellowships, right, Tim, Kelly? Many of them are skipping church because of the music, because of the style. They get more out of there. And and we do need face-to-face, eye-to-eye, where we know each other's addresses and we also need to know each other's needs and hearts. But then we need the congregation, the body at large, because diversity. We can't brag about unity if we're all the same. If there's uniformity and we're all of like mind and like kind, what witness is that to the world? My, how they love one another. Well, it's not hard to love your own kind. Well, sometimes, (laughs) if you were really honest with yourselves. There are things that Taylor does that just bug me terribly. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But we do, there are things, I mean, we don't gravitate to the same people in the same way for the same reason. So we already have diversity in this room. We just look alike. But God's greatest emblem in shining glory comes when the people of God who are of different ages and stages and colors... And denominations and genders and needs come together as one and proclaim Father and declare him as good. And that's what attracts our neighbors. And I'll just throw this out, and then we're going to go to some questions, Jean, and I want her to make some preliminary statements here. But um, Jackie normally sits down there and tells me where I am. Do you remember where I am?
0: (laughs) We're sympathetic. My, my brain
1: is fried. So, um, well, let me just do this. <laughs> It'll come back tonight on the plane. Why do you have to try all the other keys first? Because we're, we're learning together. We've all been there. And sometimes it's painful. Some Something to always remember. Never unplug Daddy's treadmill while he's running on it. <laughs> we learn lessons the hard way. And sometimes they're desperately Dangerous, yes, but technically we're pedestrians and therefore we have the right-of-way. And sometimes it leads to death. You know, I'm free, bam! I know you love your church and want it to grow and, and you want the sounds of laughter from the nursery all the way up. And that's what we want you to talk to us about and talk together about. But Jean's going to make some profound comments right now.
0: They're not too profound. Do you realize what we have just heard? We have heard the doctor give us the diagnosis. And believe me, we're all saying I'm guilty because there's probably not one of us in this room who has not felt that pang of guilt because as we grow older, you know, you just get you, you get to the place where you're sort of buttoning down life and then you become a grandparent, and life changes. At first, it's wonderful. You've got this adorable little thing. You ran to the hospital. The minute you heard that that the baby was born and... um, I remember my, one of my first grandchildren, I was there, I, I had to catch a plane to meet my husband. I showed up at 5 o'clock in the morning and in the dark hallway the nurse came down and, and looked at me and she said, you must be the grandmother. Because here I was so eager looking for the name on the door because I wanted to see this beautiful little granddaughter that had come into my life. Um, but As time goes on, uh, the challenge of being a grandparent, I I am a grandparent of six granddaughters, five of whom are married. So we have five men now and uh, four little adorable great-grandchildren. And so you feel in every direction, and I'm sure you can identify with that. But what John has said, and and I am so grateful that God has put his hand on John Cologne because he's one of the few people in this whole country, possibly in the whole world, where God has given him this uh, spirit which helps him understand where we are in this world. Uh, and what we're supposed to be doing with the people who are younger than we are. Um, there there are barriers to being in this area. Uh, we live in different worlds. I mean, every child is very, very different. Every child lives in a whole different place, and uh, they think differently. Uh, so the, the, the distances between us are big. They're wide. And the, the whole culture, as John has alluded, is so very, very different from what you and I knew about. Uh, and to, to brook, to build a bridge across this chasm is the challenge that you and I have. And remember, we are all going to stand before the Lord someday and give account for the deeds done in the flesh. And... Uh, I don't know about you, that sort of haunts me every single day. So um, we want to hear from you because you all have different ideas, different experiences, and we would like to share with you something that we have experienced so that we can grow together in this whole idea of of being worthy as grandparents and great-grandparents.
1: I'm going to come down here. Um, If you have a question, why don't you stand and uh, give us your name. Let's just work on some relationship stuff while we're doing this. And then if we can't hear you, I'll try to repeat the question, and then Taylor will give the answer. Back there. Oh, we got a mic. Oh, Christine, right there. Okay. Stand, and she'll come to you. Over here. Here we go, and then over here. Oh, my goodness.
0: Thank you. What do I do about an 8-year-old grandson that believes in the Lord, but his parents don't, and they don't want him to talk about the Lord or anyone else? How do I talk with him?
1: You're not alone. You're not alone. I, I hear this almost weekly. And the angst, the pain, the separation of, you know, I, you love them, but you can't give them the greatest gift. And um, I think that's why praying grandparents, what, what we did at the conference this whole week, and what we did here, we had a prayer room. And I, we were debriefing last night, and I said, let's put prayer partners in all four corners of the worship center after every general session so people can come and pray. I prayed with a guy yesterday. He just melted in my arms. Has not seen a grandchild in two and a half years, and um, and all kinds of, of complexities there, and the pain, and the separation. We had a, a Shirley a Pledger from Prime Major class. Um, we were talking about this back home, and and uh, that was a wonderful prayer request. Pray that I'll I'm, I'm going to take my granddaughter to New York on a trip, just uh, gr- Grammy and and her. She's 11. And the kids have said, Mom, you can do that, but you cannot, you cannot talk to her about God. And that's just another ind- thing that we need to be aware of. Many of our kids have been wounded <clears throat> by people who call themselves Christians or the hypocrisy of the church or, you know, you say this and you do that or the lack of integrity. And they've rejected... They thought God, but they rejected the, the mirror. That was pretty uh, pretty blurry. So anyway, she goes to New York. She has a brand new camera, the grandchild. She leaves it in a taxi. And the little girl says, oh, Grandma, um, I just hope to luck. I'll find my camera. And Shirley said, I thought, okay, Lord, you you set this up, didn't you? <laughs> okay, and, and I'm going to, you, you hope in luck, and I'm going to just talk to God about this, okay? You know how many taxis are in New York City? I think, we asked that one time. Um, I think it was 17,325. By the end of the day, you make a long story short, they had the camera in hand. Someone who took it out of the taxi, the next rider, took it, felt conviction called the company, took it back to the company, and it was back at their hotel that night. What do you think? That little girl thinks about luck versus God. So the Lord, you know, you trust him. I have to say this. This is God's way to help us become more like his people. Um, To follow him, to keep growing up instead of settling down. Uh, healthy things grow. Growing things change. Changing things challenges. Challenges forces to trust. Trust leads to obedience. Healthy things grow. Just like plants. And that's us. And it's really easy to just settle down. When Jackie and I started doing marriage tune-up weekends, um, our, our, our mantra there was, don't get married and settle down. Keep growing up all the days of your life. I watched this couple walk hand in hand. Howie desperately needed Gene. You would not have not heard of Howie Hendricks if there wasn't a Gene Hendricks. Hmm. I watched you buoy him up.
0: Thank you, John. Yep.
1: And, um, and Howie's problems were the, the, the dynamic that made Howie what he was. And if we're just sliding into heaven with our little community, when you see what God had planned for you, you're going to be so upset. Yeah, it was going to be hard. So anyway, get some people around you to pray for that those kids. Those kids.
0: Can I just add a word? Please to that do. We all have people in our family who are sort of negative about what we believe, where we go to church, and all these things that they sort of don't want to talk about. What we need to understand is, they don't know what they don't know, and we have an end-around play, which John has already referred to. This prayer that that this is—I think—a prayer is sort of an open door that God puts before us. It has a sign over it. It says, "Come on in, let's talk." Um, only we have to be careful that we don't do all the talking. We listen to God, but He, he is our, our resource. So no matter what the problem is with the child or anybody else, really, we always have this, this connection, this, this line that gives us a special advantage. And no matter what anybody says to us or how they treat us, or how they say away from us, whatever, we have this opportunity. My husband was, as, Allie, as John has referred to him, he was an unwanted child. He he was a, a throwaway. And they were going to put him in an orphanage. But his paternal grandmother said, I don't want my grandson in an orphanage. Now, this is, this is some of you will remember, this is the Great Depression. She didn't have any money. She had a, a, a life of her own that was difficult. But she took him in. She herself had almost no education. She told me once that she had uh, worked in a cigar factory when she was 10 years old, probably in Germany or wherever she was. So she couldn't do anything for this little boy, except she just knew she didn't want him in the orphanage, and she prayed. Uh, He was a rascal, and if you've ever heard him speak, you know he referred to some of those experiences. He was a terror, and he was active, and he was overcharged with everything. All she could do was pray. He said, coming home, he had a jazz band, he said coming home one night very, very late as he was climbing up the steps quietly, his grandmother, who was deaf, partially deaf, and she prayed out loud. And so as he's climbing up the steps in the dark, in the back bedroom he could hear his grandmother's little voice saying, And now, Lord, about Howard. Lord, about Howard. <laughs> and it, uh, it struck the deepest recesses of his, of his heart. And what God did with that man was just amazing because of uh, nothing more, humanly speaking, nothing more than the prayers of his grandmother. So I would encourage you, because some of us have very discouraging situations.
1: Great. Thank you. I was going to say, remember when they told you that, that there'd be an empty nest? (laughs) <laughs> they leave the home, and they go find other little birds, and they mate, and they bring in some more little birds, and they they go come back here, and you have no control over them except to go over their heads to their Heavenly Father. I When our boys turned 18, we had a little ceremony of releasing them, and I went and bought an arrow, Psalm 127. Uh, children are heritage of the Lord. Blessed is man whose quiver is full. And I thought, okay. So we had a little ceremony. You need rituals. Um, I define a ritual as taking something as normal as breathing and making it breathtaking. That's what the Lord's table is. That's what your baptism is. That's what the wedding ring is. A symbol, a reminder. So I took an arrow and uh, sent the boys down. We, uh, um, they were getting ready to go on some mission trips. And I talked about how arrows, if they're going to go straight, they need to have a shaft that is straight, not crooked. And if they're going to reach their intended target and embed it, they have to be sharp and clean on the end. And then you've got the feathers. This one had three feathers. God says, I will guide you with my eye, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you. And beware of arrows that will come your way, that Satan's going to send some darts your way. And people send things from their mouth your way. And you can send things from your mouth. Be careful that you don't shoot wounded people already. And, uh, and then I reminded them that the knock is where the power source was. There's no power in this arrow. I could throw it. But when you put it against the string tightly and pull it, and to stay close to the Lord. Anyway, I, I wrote on that arrow release them. Uh, it was uh, June 29th, June 28th, 1993. Release them, let them fly. And I broke off the, the front of that arrow, and gave it to Tim, and I broke the feathers off and gave it to Matt. And Jackie and I got the shaft. And, <laughs> and that shaft is in our family room. And whenever I want to try to control the kids, I think they're making bad decisions, or even the grandkids. I mean, it's a reminder. Go over their heads, go to your knees. Go over their heads, go to your knees. Another question. I'm sorry, we need to keep moving. John, I wanted to ask you if you could comment. Where are you? Cliff. Oh, Cliff. Skip.
2: (laughs) Um, John was a good friend of mine from Biola. He used to work with seniors. You're still working with seniors, right? Uh, just a different kind. It's us. <laughs> but I wanted—we you know, didn't get to come to the conference, and I apologize for that. I'm sorry, but I'd like for you to comment a little bit. Some of us, as grandparents, are working on issues that uh, go beyond just a children's concern about the Lord, but also about gender identification and and how you might deal with
1: that. Gene will handle that one. <laughs> I'll take a whack and then you come in. Here's our problem. And and it's real easy to talk about it. It's real hard to do it. Does God love me unconditionally? Yeah. Does he know me inside and out? Yes. Does he give me do-overs and second chances? Yes. Does he love the thief on the cross? Yes. Yes. What do you do when your grandchildren make alternate choices about who they are, what they are? Well, we know what the Bible says, so they have become an enemy of faith. No, they, they become an enemy of sin. And I, know, I don't want to glibly say this. We love the sinner, especially when they're, they carry our DNA and if I asked you to, and don't, raise your hand if this is in your family line somewhere, I'm, I dare say 20%, 25% of you would say that, because the world, the culture is saying, you can choose who you are now. It's, it's, it's in. It's, uh, it's, you know, just pick your gender, whatever you feel. And I, I know of some godly leaders who have grandchildren who uh, have gone homosexual. And I've known some godly leaders whose children have gone adultery as heterosexuals. And we categorize sins. The devastation is so much greater with the the identity thing issue. And you feel shame. And and I just, I love the passages in scriptures. Lift up your heads. No more guilt. No more shame. And part of the problem has been that we wouldn't talk about the shameful things in the right way. We hid them. And we hid them alone, and we had no one to share them with. You know, the body of Christ. And that's why we need a variety of generations gathering together, sharing their hearts, sharing their lives, their stories, their hurts. Love them. Love them unconditionally. Don't preach to them. They already feel enough of their own guilt. And in about 10 years, it's, oh, Jesus, come quickly. Uh, But do not fear. Be of great courage. I have overcome the world. Jean, what?
0: I just want to add a PS to that because it touches so many of our lives. Um, We all have children. They're making... Maybe not all of us, 99% of us have children that are making unwise decisions. You see this, you pray about it, you grieve about it, and you don't know what to do about it. And I want to suggest to you that all of our children have touch points. They have birthdays, they have graduations, they have special days in their lives. And even though they may have a negative impression of old grandma, it it means something to them that you care anyway. It means something that you can't even put into words, that you remembered that birthday, you were there for that graduation, or you sent a gift or a card or a letter, whatever it is, a book, to them with the unspoken message is, I care about you. I really do care about you. You know, we don't agree on whatever, but you are important to me. And I think that we have to look for those touch points in our children's lives. And the more children you have, the more touch points you've got. I mean, you, if you're like me, you've got all these marks on your calendar to remind you that uh, you need to step up. On this, that, or the other thing. Um, but what John said, I just want to expand on that because God cares. He cares far more than I do or than anybody else does about this child, this young person, and the the ability that we have to trust and relax. I spoke before about praying, but after we pray, we leave it. With the Lord. And when you have a child that is in really difficult circumstances, maybe in prison, maybe uh, way out in the boonies somewhere, uh, and you prayed about him, you don't even know what's going on, but you've asked the Lord, you've let it rest with him, and then relax because you know God is going to answer. And I think he, he loves that about us, that we will trust him, that he's going to do what he promised that he would do.
1: Wow. What would happen, let me just throw this out, if we have brought in about 50 junior hires and 50 high schoolers, 50 collegians into this group, and we start talking about these things. We started talking together. We started getting phone numbers. And um, and I know everyone's got to be fingerprinted these days in ministry. I mean, it's a different day. But, and I, I'll just, I want to go on record, Taylor. I hate HR. <laughs> they sure, I mean, oh my goodness. Everything's been dangerous. I mean, but uh, we got to take some risk. We got to get in trouble. And the thing that Chuck was always great at is easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. <laughs> um. Okay. Questions. Over here, John. Over here. Uh, actually, Over here. here. Okay. Yeah, I'm relatively new, but I and I maybe I like use make the, make the mic. A, oh, I, make a suggestion, yeah. okay?
3: Thank you. Yeah, I uh, had the opportunity to be at my uh, daughter and her husband's church in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia a few years back. Uh, Their children were at that time uh, 14 and uh, 12 and uh, 14 and 11 and nine. It was interesting because the Sunday school class uh, for the parents, uh, it was with the teenagers. It was all about social media. And I think until you really talk about that issue because we're in a battle for the mind, and what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, uh, and who we hang out with will determine what we are 10 years from now, and I tell that to a lot of people. I look at my grandson now. He's 17. He came out to see me. He's headed to Wheaton College in a year. He uh, His cell phone, uh, he doesn't have the internet on it, but he understands the classics. And uh, he uh, really has substance. Now, how was that there? Well, because his parents were that way. And we taught our daughter. And, we, and when I stop in a restaurant, I'll stop a young couple in their 30s with little kids. And I'll tell them something that Dr. Timberlake, who was my mentor, told me. And he says, you know, Bill, 30 years from now, you'll be as happy as your least happy kid. And I don't know if these people with the Lord or not, but we have to do that. And we have to engage them. And we've got to stop being shy. And we've got to understand. And until it's important to us, it's not going to be important to anybody else. And I'm not for another rule. But I think, I don't know if you guys talk about uh, social media with the grandparents. Of course, it's not really our duty. But uh, it's uh, it's, I'm really very worried. But I do know it's not. Not too big of a problem for God, so I just bring that out. Social media.
1: It is a big worry, uh, um, especially with teenagers, because you don't have the control you have with your little ones, and we don't have probably parents with little ones in here. Um, with our son, uh, su- Sunday, oh, we do. We we do, we do. Oh, we do. Uh, <laughs> But with our son, Sunday, no electronics. <coughs> and of course, the kids, especially Brandon, who's 16, ah. And uh, all the things have to be turned in at the end of the day. And mom and dad, the kids know if they get one of those things that mom and dad have free access to look at anything they want. But you can't control it all, it's in the air, they have friends um but you can make some rules or unplug the internet at night (laughs) and uh, by the way there's my friend jonathan jonathan and i do social media together don't we you bet um yeah great great reminder christine where are you okay over here okay
2: my name is don is it on yeah my name is don lacefield and i'm going to speak in more general terms i think and uh Uh, In my opinion, and please, I would request there be no wagering about what I'm going to say. That's a joke. Do you Uh, wager here in Texas? Not that I'm aware of, but uh, it probably happens. We are at war, and we're at war with the father of lies. And he's winning, it seems, I remember in the mid-60s, I remember the leftist, socialist, seculars saying, give us one generation. If you look at movies prior to the mid-60s, they show town scenes and there'll be a church. And the good person is, uh, in the movie will have a cross on the wall. And the priest is a good person. After the mid-60s, movies, and even today, you won't see a church in a town scene. The priest is usually some kook. They've taken over our institutions, our uh, schools, our colleges, universities, our media, our entertainment, and that's the battle that we're up against. Satan has uh, taken over those things and is influencing our, our children, our young people, our adults. And that's the battle that we have to wage. Um, you talk to a young person today, and I, I'll, I do this quite often. And I ask them to tell me about sin. What is sin? Well, it's if you've uh, offended another person in some way nothing about god's laws or commandments nothing about offending god we're we're losing the um, the idea of what really is sin and young people are not being taught that even in their churches i don't think you don't hear about that in most churches anymore that's my two cents okay.
1: i think we'll take one more question and then i want to spend a moment uh, talking about blessing and bless you yeah we got we get to interact with our grandkids and our kids give us some practical stuff to do with them that makes a difference okay. um, we do camp Grammy and Papa we get the kids three days two nights no three days three nights uh, once a year we'll sit down with moms now mind you our our kids both follow the Lord so we've got that going for us Love the Lord and are concerned for their 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 kids. We have um, a sixteen-year-old all the way down to eight, and uh, one of them has some color. She's from Ethiopia. Sion um, came to us. She's such a she's the healthiest of all the kids, even though she's HIV positive. We love her. She jumps around and is just when you've been in an orphanage. Um, And you find a family, we just celebrated our 50th anniversary, and she gave a little blessing. Now, she's only 11, and said, when I came into your family, Papa, and Grammy, I felt welcomed and part of the family. And Jackie and I just uh, thought, oh, wow, we don't understand what it's like to belong, and... Do you understand that you belong to the family of God? I mean, these are basic needs of all of us acceptance, love, freedom from forgiveness, from sin uh new experiences we don't want to get God knows He made us, He put into us the idea of needing to feel like we're part of a family we belong and we're accepted so that's part of what we do at Camp Grammy. I'll sit down with Jackie and I, I'll sit down with the kids and not the grands and talk about. Where do you see the kids needing to learn some... And we always come back to respect. Respect's always part of the curriculum. It's got to be practical. It's got to be hands-on. We only have so many minutes to get that truth across, and it's got to be mixed with fun. So uh, two years ago, we used uh, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. Firmament declares his handiwork. And uh, so uh, we went over to... uh, Deborah Vaughn's house, she's just written a book called Lessons from My Garden. Butterflies were hatching out. She talked about how God has created these things, these wonderful little creatures from big and small. And then she sang a song that she had created. That's, and then, uh, after lunch, we went over to Dr. Richard Unfried's house. He's built a pipe organ in his house. He was our organist at, at Fullerton. We have an organ with pipes. And... Um, and there is a ch- uh, Chuck pipe, I think, on it. Isn't there, Colleen? There's a called Chuck Swindoll pipe. I think it's big. And um, and then uh, Richard showed them how he, God's given us the ability to create. We're made in his image. And he put these pipes up in the attic. And his dog, Puccini, sings the dog-sology as he plays the... Uh, <laughs> he does. He does. And then uh, we looked at his train set, the old Fullerton. He's got three trains on this track that fills a room, and it's the old Fullerton uh, Railroad Depot. And um, and then we also built into it a, a curriculum of caring. We went to see Hoover Edwards as he was dying, and we, we visited them for three years in a row. Okay, heavens declare the glory. And then that night we went out under the stars in the backyard, and I... Borrowed a projector from the church, and I went to YouTube with Louis Giglio doing the stars singing you know quasars are the string section in the heavens, pulsars are the rhythm section, and then the whales psalm one forty eight you know all of creation sings praise to God, the planets, the stars there 's noise up there there 's noise in the ocean. And then he begins to sing along with it in a mashup. They call it, how great is our God. And our kids started singing. that.
0: Don't you wish you were in the Cologne family? Uh.
1: (laughs) That was day one. Day two, scriptures go on, you know. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, wise, making, pure, making wise the simple, more to be desired are they than gold, much fine gold, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. And so, and when you get to 12, you become a junior counselor. So Brandon was 12 at that point. That was four years ago. And uh, so he and I, at night we would work together on, he put video together from the previous day and, um. And then he and I went out and hid dollar bills in the backyard. One, uh, two $1 bills for each of the grants. $16 and $1 bills in the back. Hid suckers in the front. And then we stole the kids' Bibles and hid them down the street at a neighbor's in the backyard. So I said, okay, kids, we're going to have a scavenger hunt. Uh, there's something really valuable in the backyard. So there's two of them. When you find your two, help your cousins find theirs. Okay, they all found theirs okay, there's something really sweet in the front yard when you find yours, help your younger cousins find theirs. And they go and say, okay, go get your Bibles. I want us to, they couldn't find them. And Brandon said, Papa, I think, uh, they're on the geocache. Now, if you know what a geocache is, it's, it's basically your GPS on your iPhone. There are millions, seriously, millions of treasures, treasures like a stick and a little card that has a wheel off hidden away in trees all around if i put on geocache on my phone here i'm guessing i would find probably 50 objects a mile from here and you just it's a treasure hunt of not valuable stuff and you take out something you put something back in and you sign your name so brandon said papa i think i found him and so these, the kids were going up and down the street, over over here. We got to the backyard, and the kids are saying, we're not supposed to go in, in strangers' back." I said, this is the pastor across the street at Braille, and friend's church, he's, he's a friend, no problem. And we'd already gotten permission. We find our Bibles. I said, open up to Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the testimony. Sweet, more valuable than gold are these truths. I said, you have your dollars. Some of you have already lost one of them. <laughs> Sweeter than honey, your suckers are gone. More to be desired are they than gold. And the, and, uh, but this word of God will be eternal, kids. There's no lifespan on this. It's eternal, are going to be in place and true. You can bank on this no matter what. And then the last day was may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. So Jackie went out and bought a cow tongue. They're pretty expensive too. And uh, we talked about out of James what things come out of the our mouths. The blessings and cursings. And so we took toothpicks with little flags on them and we wrote on them the things that come out of our mouths. And uh, the good things that come out of our mouths, and then we started. We sang Sunny Salisbury song. Um, um, Don't you wonder why the stars are in the sky? Um, so there's. It's that's one of the ways, um, uh, and we keep trying to think of new ways to teach old truths. That are so valuable for our kids. Uh, we talked about anger one year, and I soaked some wood in, a, in gasoline and put it outside in a little, uh, <laughs> a little um, fireplace, portable fireplace. <clears throat> and Jackie was inside. We were inside, and she was boiling water. And it came. You know, we hear the whistle, and we had some hot chocolate and talked about it. Isn't that amazing? Uh, how slowly this thing simmers to a boil. And God wants us when we have feelings, and they're, they're not right or wrong, they just are. They, we just need to pay attention to why we have those feelings. And then we went outside, and I lit the thing. I said, stand back, and wha, boom. And of course, the word is thumas, for anger. And the kids were impressed, and we talked about it. When, when fire like that comes out of our mouth, it, it, it destroys. You can't control it. So we use uh, we boil water. We put a carrot in it, an egg in it, and a tea bag. What happens when you're in hot water? And after a while, the carrot fell apart. The egg got rock hard, and the tea bag it didn't change it. It changed the water. Okay, so let's you know you have the ability when you're in hot water to change the environment with your attitude with your heart. Anyway. We need to stop here. Jean? Yeah.
2: We usually get out at twelve, but you know church gets out at twelve fifteen, so anybody wants to leave if <laughs> can, but we'll stay. Oh.
1: <laughs> You're gracious. You're gracious. I do wanna yeah, we got another question? Okay.
0: Um we're we're in younger, even though I have gray hair. Um <clears throat> we have kids that are in middle school
2: and elementary
0: we are here because the theology is so sound and the teaching is so trustworthy and the pastor isn't crazy like a lot of what else we've seen but we i feel out of place i feel like i'm at my parents church How do, how do I fit in here? How do I adjust to the music? How do I adjust to a generation that isn't mine from the front? I, I want the resources and the wisdom and the experience of these generations to bless my own kids. And yet I grieve because I feel so out of place. Can I give you an answer to that? You've just heard this incredible story uh, from the Cologne family. Don't you wish you had that kind of creativity in your home? Uh, and that's the answer to what you're asking. If you can make it fun when they're at home, you can make it a fun when they're with you. Remember, there are two no-nos that I have tried to live by. One of them is that I don't want to be judgmental of my children. And, <clears throat> and the second one is that I, that I want to take seriously. I don't want to make light of what they do or say or think. What I have to do is to think outside of their box. And that's what John has just explained to you. All of now you've got to remember that his wife Jackie, is a school teacher. She has all kinds of creative ideas. She's amazing. But you are too. Everyone, my husband used to teach creativity, and he believed firmly, and I agree with him that every one of us has a spark of creativity in our lives. and we can think up ideas that will <coughs> spark the people that we are trying to reach. We want them to be pleased. We want them to be happy. So we think up silly little things. We hide things. We make uh, games for them so that... They are smart. These little kids are very smart, and they will see the difference between what happens in their schoolroom and what happens at home when we have so much fun and we just love to be there. And Grandma, she has just all these great ideas about what we can do and what we can eat and how we can make them. Uh, get your brain working to know. To just don't be one of those. What I think of as a slab foundation person where you're just there you're just grandma you're just granddad old fogies but you are interesting people you're always doing something fantastic and it's always different from all the other kids um and, and so i would encourage you not not to not to focus on the negatives but to think of what God can do to make your life positive. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundant. That's what we are after, the life abundant for our kids.
1: That question needs to be answered. And you're not going to do it in this room. Mm -mm. Uh, When we started family ministry in Santa Barbara... um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to start. Uh, Charles Sell had just come out with a book called Family Ministry. That was 1981. Chick. You went to school with Chick, didn't you? Chick Sell?
0: Chick was a yeah. cohort of my husband, yeah.
1: Yeah. And um, we we met every six weeks on a Saturday morning in one someone's house, a variety of ages. We had a... A junior hire, a high schooler, a collegian, a young adult, a single adult middle age, a widow, a divorcee. I think there were nine of us around the table every six weeks going through a chapter at a time, talking, praying, learning, understanding. And then from there, we began to say, okay, what can we do? What must we do? How do we do it? How do we bring about change, realizing this is a conservative Baptist church, (laughs) realizing that um, we all have preferences? Um, We're all facing this problem. Back home, they eliminated the choir and the orchestra, and the organ now is starting to get played about every six weeks. we keep our eye on the handbills, make sure they haven't been melted down. <laughs> um, but most churches are, are struggling in this area to keep the young people. And I know that part of the struggle is I want my children to come and respond and hear what I'm hearing from God's word, but it's a language totally foreign to them. And so that's why we segregate. I don't know the answer for Stonebriar, but God will show you. And it'll probably be some major changes. And if you're praying together, you're going to find unity. As we said, you know, diversity uh, really is what makes unity meaningful and, and, and authentic. Authentic. I mean, can you do a blended service with a variety of instrumentation? Are you singing new songs? I see that in Scripture. Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing a new song to the Lord, and I see the Psalms as old songs, being sung to the Lord. Um, sometimes I've one of the. I, we're going to wrap this up, but one one story here. Um, two years ago, we had Gene Getz with us, and um, he was preaching. The one problem we had is all the electricity went off. One of the most glorious mornings. No PowerPoint, no sound system, no instruments, and we went Quaker. And or I guess it'd be brethren. Church of Christ. Church of Christ. And we could only sing songs we all knew. And, and we had two lanterns up there for Gene, and we brought in a portable sound system so that we could hear him. And when we left church, the people just started weeping. Now, wouldn't it be great if our children and our, their grandparents could be weeping with the worship that takes place? How do we do that? Well, I have a lot of my music and I was raised on the hymns and I love the hymns. I love the hymns. They speak to me because they spoke to me years ago and I they're kind of memory floggers when I was there and I made that decision and this happened and and I don't you know I don't know you know I I don't talk about 711 songs anymore because I don't know if you sang the Hallelujah Chorus recently. I don't think it's seven words. And it repeats and repeats and repeats. So it's not that. It's it's our hearts. And uh, and God's going to have to rearrange our hearts. And we get our music fill in here. I heard the music coming in, and I, I went to the restroom and sang, Abide With Me, as I hummed, and... Uh, That's probably too much information. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) I want to bless you. Um, (laughs) And that's one thing you can do for your grandkids. I don't care where they are. And it's done in person, if you can, or on Skype. Take advantage of these tools. They're wonderful, too. And it requires proximity, eye-to-eye, meaningful, appropriate touch. Part of the blessing is to wish them God's best in the present and the future. I want him to go with you. I want you to experience his grace and peace. I want you to see him smiling, his countenance. May May you see that God's pleased. He loves you because he sees you through Jesus. And because he died for you, as rotten as you and I were and are. So quit thinking of yourself as rotten. Just keep learning. Keep growing. Keep changing. Let him change you. And uh, then it has some attachment with uh, something meaningful that uh, that doesn't have to be expensive or anything. It just may be an object. It may be my dad's Bible Dad would wear a Bible out every six, seven years. I'd give one of those Bibles in a ceremony to one of the kids. It um, could be a ring. It could be a poem. It could be a, a picture you paint or a picture you took. So may the Lord bless you. And, that, and the word is in Greek. It's eulogia, to speak well of. May you know that God's speaking well of you. You don't need to do that in shame. May the Lord bless you. May he protect you, keep you, protect you in not just body, but your soul, your mind, your relationships. May he shine his face down on you. May you see him smiling, and may he show you his favor. The Lord be gracious to you, and he is. Take his grace. May he be give you his peace, which you can't get anywhere else, not even at Nordstrom's. <laughs> and may the Lord use you in your children and grandkids' lives. Hold your hand out to receive that blessing. And just as a... Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. My mothers and my fathers. Father... Infuse in them fresh hope, strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Regarding our children and our children's children, Father, we pray this same blessing on them, you'd protect them in their minds and their spirits, and that you'd use us not as, to, as barriers, but as builders and bridge makers. And may we go from this place with your peace and your joy and your grace, and when we get bumped by people and circumstances, may they get grace all over them. May it spill over in Jesus' name. Amen.